Hello, welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg BNA tax and accounting podcast where we discuss everything involving tax, from the courts, the IRS, or Capitol Hill. I'm your host, Matthew Benningfield, and I'm excited you're here with us today. For our June 23rd Hill Roundtable, we have Colleen Murphy, Laura Davison, and our new reporting intern, Jason Mass, joining us today. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks. Thank you. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. First, we're going to talk about a mobile workforce app, which is you know a story that Jason wrote on. And then we're going to talk about updates on the healthcare bill. So why don't we start out actually with updates on the healthcare bill. We'll go to Colleen to give us the scoop. Colleen? So the big story of the week was that the Senate released its version of the House healthcare bill yesterday. And this is a really important step for them. They've been working on the last couple of weeks making adjustments to what passed the House. And kind of the two key points on the tax side are that the Senate bill uh, would repeal all of the Affordable Care Act's taxes, including some of the more controversial ones like a investment income tax on high earners. And that's something that Democrats have been criticizing Republicans for. They say that this is essentially just a tax break for the wealthy. And the bill also readjusts the tax credits that were included for people to be able to purchase insurance. So the Senate's version would base the tax credits on age, income, and geography. And this is part of an effort to make them more generous for older and low-income individuals. Um, And it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of the next week or so as the Senate is negotiating on this. Mitch McConnell, who's the majority leader, wants to hold a vote next week before the 4th of July recess. And this bill yesterday, they made very clear this is just a discussion draft. It's kind of the starting point. And so we can definitely expect to see some negotiations over the next week as senators are hashing things out. And Laura, you can talk a little bit more about uh, what to expect. Yeah, so there's already four Republicans who have come out and say that they can't support the bill um, in this current form. There's 52 Republicans in the Senate. They need uh, they need 50 of those. Mike Pence can be the tiebreaker, and they can only lose two. Um, and, and you're losing people kind of on, on both sides. You've got senators like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz who say this isn't really a repeal of Obamacare. This doesn't doesn't go far enough. And then you've got more moderates, uh, you know, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska or Susan Collins of Maine, who are worried um, for the the residents of their state uh, where healthcare costs are high and they could be some of the hardest hurt or hardest hit as uh, these tax credits are scaled back a little bit from from what's available now under uh, the ACA. And Colleen, you mentioned that the tax credits will be pegged to age, income, and geography, like the Obamacare uh, credits were. So will will they be the same, or is there um, a scaling back, as Laura mentioned? So they're definitely scaled back, and that's a really great point. Um, As I was looking through this bill yesterday, and a lot of the analysts I was talking to, kind of the main point they wanted to make was, yes, the tax credits in the Senate version are more generous than what was in the House version, but compared to current law, compared to what you're able to get under the Affordable Care Act, it's a significant reduction, which is going to mean that older Americans will face much higher premiums. And we'll sort of see how all of that shakes out early next week. The Congressional Budget Office is going to put out a score of the bill, which will say how much it's going to cost and how many people it's going to cover. And we can expect them to address these changes in the tax credits in that in that score. And we could see at that point some changes happening on the, on the, the repealing of the taxes side if they decide that they need to make the tax credits a little bit more generous or um, that, that, that things are going to cost too much. You, you might see taxes uh, that are going to be repealed, maybe not their further timetable out until they're repealed, or 
Uh, they might even keep some of them on, um, depending how that shakes out. I think there's among Republicans, particularly, a desire to get rid of all of them, but uh, they have to really look at the numbers and make those tough calls soon. That's right. That was something I was hearing. Because this is a discussion draft, they repeal all of the taxes to show that that's something that they're committed to. This is something that Republicans have been saying for years now. But you're right, we have been hearing from Senate Republicans for the last couple of weeks that they think at least a couple of them are going to need to stay in to fund some of the changes in the bill. So you can probably expect to see those get added back in the final version. So from sources you've talked to, how confident are you guys that we could get to a vote in the next two weeks? I think the main confident there will be a vote within the next week. I mean, because they're they're out the following week, and I think that's... Uh, I think really the the question and the uncertainty is if will they get um, those 50 senators that they need. But I think McConnell is a very strategic person. He uh, he knows how to kind of wrangle his votes and and get his uh, get a bill together that that his people he can cobble together 50 votes. That's right. I think it would be a mistake to bet against Mitch McConnell if he feels like he can get a bill to the floor and he's confident that he can get the votes he needs to pass it. I, I would not I would not bet against him. I think we'll see this move through the Senate by the end of the week. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much. We'll uh, look forward to updates on the health care bill in the next few days. So, Jason, the mobile workforce bill, can you tell us about this? Your article was great. Walk us through what this is all about. So this is the bill that the House has passed before. They passed it in 2012. They passed it in, in 2016. Uh, both times it failed to get even on the floor of the Senate for a vote. Basically, what it will do is it'll say that to be taxed by a state, you have to have spent at least 30 days there during the year. And what that does is basically right now you have a lot of people, accountants, lawyers, construction workers, traveling to all these different states to to, to do jobs. We talked with one tax attorney, or or we talked with one CPA who um, works with construction workers in West Virginia who will go to up to 12 states, 10 states, and end up having to file 10 different income tax returns for them being there for two days, two weeks. And what this will do basically is say that you only have to, you will only get charged if you're there for 30 days. Um, and what that will do basically is it'll simplify things for a lot of workers, a lot of attorneys, a lot of accountants, but it will also potentially cost states like New York tens of millions, up to $100 million a year in revenue. So um, in terms of getting it to to the Senate, um, we spoke with Sherrod Brown, who introduced the bill on, uh, who introduced the Senate side of this legislation. He was not particularly confident. He said there's a very vocal opposition from states that oppose it because of revenue concerns, that this is a very um, large part and integral part of the revenue, especially at a time right now where you have about 30 out of the 50 states facing um, fiscal shortfalls this year. Um, There's also questions um, from groups from states about state sovereignty, basically saying that it is the state's right to tax income and to tax work where it happens, as opposed to having a tax by the state where the person lives. And that's a debate going on between lawyers, between attorneys, between senators. What are some of the states that have been the most vocal about this? Uh, New York has been the most vocal because they stand to lose a ton from this. Um, They are the most aggressive in terms of enforcing this sort of one day you're in the state, we're going to tax you however much for that time here. Um, and so the projections for them are, I don't have the numbers on me right now, but it's between about $85 million and $120 million a year in revenue. And so the 
representative from New York spoke on the on the House floor the day of the bill in very vocal opposition. I wonder how D.C. feels about this. Because D.C. is kind of, you know, New York has commuters coming in from New Jersey, Connecticut, et cetera, and D.C. sort of the other um, example. A thought to be continued. Yes. Well, Jason, thank you so much. We look forward to hearing your updates on, on this bill, and we'll see where it goes. So, guys, as usual, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to tuning in next week. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Tax. Our podcast is one of many that Bloomberg BNA has to offer. Visit bna.com for all BBNA sponsored podcasts and make sure to follow Bloomberg BNA Tax on Twitter. We look forward to giving you more in depth analyses on the next episode of Talking Tax. Until then, signing off from Crystal City, I'm Matthew Benningfield.